You are live with The App Show. Mike Yagerbo here with my good friend, Gray Williams. We are Canada's number one mobile tech and app-related radio show. Apps are in everything now. Our smartphones, our TVs, our cars. Well, we talk about uh, some of the best out there and just uh, mobile technology in general uh, as well. It's, it's going to be an interesting program here, Gray, and a little controversial as well. One of the, uh, the things that we're going to talk about uh, coming up with uh, Carmi Levy, one of our contributors out of Toronto, is AI being used now to help uh, a school district in the U.S. to determine what books to ban. So, so you, you know a lot of these school districts... Uh, and I think it happens here in Canada as well. They've got certain books that they don't want in the libraries because they feel that they're not age appropriate, mm-hmm. right or or not. Yeah. Uh, and as you can imagine, that would probably be pretty difficult to figure out what books those are. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, because you shouldn't be banning books to begin with. But yes. So, this school district in Iowa, they're going to be using ChatGPT to figure out what books to ban. Great. So AI to the rescue. We're also going to be talking, uh, you and I, Gray, about getting your medical advice on the internet and more specifically on YouTube. There is a lot of misinformation up on that platform and YouTube is finally going to do something about it. At long last. I, they they have been somewhat, but I think they're taking even a harder stand, especially when it comes to diseases like cancer yeah yeah so we're going to tell you what uh what is happening there also we're going to talk about chip implants with carmi levy he has a story about this one woman in the u.s that has 25 chip implants to help her for identity identity authentication and to unlock different things 25 yeah i'm impressed are you or scared no i'm impressed that's a you know, lot. Can, That's a lot, isn't it? I can hear the Terminator theme in the background, but I'm impressed. Well, we'll uh, we'll be covering uh, all of uh, all of that. Um, this is kind of an interesting story, and we're seeing a lot of this happening right now. AI, like the Chat GPTs of the world, they they exist because they have been inputted huge amounts of information scraping the internet uh, as well. The New York Times now is barring AI companies from using its content for algorithm training. That's fair. I don't know how they do that and how they figure that out, but they're they're changing the terms of service. Uh, and they've done this as of uh, August 3rd. And the policy applies to the New York Times text content, photo, video, megadata, or, sorry, metadata, and it forbids companies' web crawlers from accessing that data to train proprietary products. So you can't do it because we've said so. You know, this obviously for the corporate world will will have an impact. The, the challenge is you can roll your own AI fairly easily, and yeah. you don't have to make it listen to these things. So, you know, like, will this content continue to be, to be used? Yeah, it absolutely will be. Um, is there much they can do about it? Probably not. Is it going to matter? Unless one of those AI uh, developers hits the big time. No, it's not. So back to the crossword, I guess. 
Well, uh, a lot of these AI companies now, including Google, they are really trying to cozy up to a lot of the uh, the news organizations like the Times and Washington Post to to help sell them on new AI tools. Like Google's got something called Genesis, claiming it, it would help journalists. But it, yeah, it's kind of scary. You know, again, these AI tools, they need information and they're getting it off information that humans have created, rightfully or wrongfully so. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, it's amazing that Google is now creating tools for journalists to use while also still not wanting to pay for the content here in Canada. Hmm. That's my, that's my grumble. Hmm. Not pleased. There's an interesting um, trial down in the U.S. that uh, I wanted to chat about. Uh, there's a, a legal YouTuber called Nate the Lawyer, and he's sued the CEO of Bot Sentinel for defamation over tweets that included questioning whether or not Nate was really a lawyer at all. Okay. <laughs> That's... Huh. That but, seems like a relatively easy, relatively easy thing to prove. So, huh. But right, the court says basically fair game. Twitter is a public forum where a reasonable reader will expect to find many more opinions than facts. Twitter is a forum where a user in the same setting and with the same audience has the immediate opportunity to air his competing view and thus may generally remedy any defamation with self-help rather than rely on litigation. Well, I mean, the, the downside is Twitter doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, it's, it's X, right? Yeah, so X is the X Twitter. And I suppose if you then quit X, you'd be an XX. Uh, it's just X is all the way down. <laughs> It's, uh, yeah, it's a little disturbing. Uh, another story we're following right now, it's uh, Google, and they are using generative AI. Once again, God, what story is not about AI anymore, right? They, uh, they have a, a new AI-powered article tool that will summarize articles for you on iOS and Android first. It's going to be coming for Chrome on the desktop eventually. Uh, but it will go through an entire article and summarize for it for you. It's called uh, AI-powered search generative experience, SGE. And it will scan that whole article. And again, it'll only scan articles that aren't behind a paywall and just mm -hmm. kind of give you a summary. That, that's obviously incredibly helpful. I, I mean, looking at this, you could probably use this to take larger content web pages and get that down to a, a metadata description. So I can see this actually being useful in a, a number of different places. Um, it's going to be curious to see with the language that it's choosing to use with all these different writers out there writing different styles, will the synopses sound like the writer or will they start to sound very generic? Interested to see. Yeah. But I mean, okay. So would you still read the article? depends right i mean yeah, I've do, actually do, been do, using... do you find it uh you know a useful tool yeah i mean like I, I love my apple news stuff um i actually tend to get my apps to speak a lot of these articles because i'm you know kind of zipping around the house doing things and so i've got i can't remember which voice i've got on there i think it's the australian mail siri and yeah. uh he, he he reads my articles to me it's pretty good and how do you do that 
Uh, so you, you actually can select the content and tap on it, and you'll see speak. And it will actually use the Siri voice to speak that on, on your mobile device. That's kind of cool. Yeah. I think. Um, yeah. One more thing I want to talk about. Uh, we know with uh, the iPhone 14, mm. they've, uh, they've got that uh, SOS texting feature, right? Yes. And so this is kind of cool. If you were out of range, cell service, um, the iPhone 14 can actually connect with satellite. I tried this uh, on a flight. Yeah. I turned the airplane mode off very briefly. We did not drop out of the sky. Um, it did make contact with the satellite very briefly. So, motion. so this feature literally saved lives in the Hawaiian wildfires. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. I mean, you're stuck in your van. It's getting hot. Yeah. You've got no cell signal. The network's down. And you just sent a rescue message to space. Yeah, that's pretty cool. No, it, I, I just find it um, amazing. They're talking about this family uh, that were caught in their car in Maui. And there was no cell service. Like, that fire just killed everything. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so... The Apple Emergency SOS system was the only way that they were able to get in contact with first responders, and it saved their lives. And I just, I so pleased right now. Well, I love those stories, and I, I just think it's important that that type of technology uh, just gets built into more of the smartphones that are out there. Yeah, you know, I've got a a Spot X, which is a, a satellite texture. It cost me three hundred dollars, and it's thirty bucks a month for the service. Whereas my iPhone 14 cost me my iPhone 14, and I've got two years of that included. Haven't used the spot since I got it. Do you still pay for the subscription or no? No, I, I rolled it off. If, if I'm going somewhere where it's possible that I'm going to have, um, you know, there might be inclement weather, um, or if I'm camping by myself, I'll take the spot with me as well. Cool. Because, you know, two, two is one, one is done. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the iPhone is just so darn convenient. Okay, we have a lot more to cover on today's program. I want to give a shout-out to the contest we have going. It's awesome. Giving away an Epson EcoTank ET2800 inkjet printer. This thing is uh, got enough ink in it out of the box to print like 5,000 pages. It is so amazing. And we're giving away an Epson smart projector as well. That can go in a home, a dorm room. It's like a little cube. So you can just project right on a wall or a screen if you want. And it's got Android TV built into it as well. You want more information? www.getconnectedmedia.com gives you all the instructions on how to enter. And stay tuned in the program. We'll give you the secret word to get more entries. You're listening to The App Show with Mike and Gray. Back after this. You're back with The App Show. Mike Agarbo here in studio. Got uh, my good friend Carmi Levy out of Toronto on the line. We're going to talk about book banning and how technology is being used uh, to help some school districts figure out which books to ban. Carmi, thanks for joining us. Great to be here, Mike. Thanks for having me with you. I have trouble with book bans to begin with. Uh, I'm, I think you're probably on the same page uh, as I am, mm-hmm. but there are a lot of school districts uh, around North America, Canada, and the U.S. that uh, have a list of books that they won't allow in their libraries, and uh, you know that has been selected by, I guess, some chosen humans. Well, now they're using technology to help them. There's a school district down in 
Iowa in the U.S. that's using ChatGPT to help them figure out which <laughs> which books to ban. Uh, basically, uh, this is uh, following the passage of uh, some state legislation called Senate File 496, which bans discussions of gender identity and sexual orientation for kindergarten through sixth grade students and requires that books in the libraries be age-appropriate. Notably, those containing depictions of sex are now illegal in Mason City School Libraries. So as you can imagine, that would be kind of hard to figure out which books those are, wouldn't it, Carmi? Yeah, I mean, up until now, if, if you wanted to find books that met that criteria and according to the, you know, the terms of this rather heinous Republican-backed law, um, you would have to read through them and, and answer yourself, well, does this, you know, is, is this objectionable by the, 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 the virtues of the law? And you have to read them all, which is a huge amount of work. And as we know, you know, most school districts and school boards are just not resourced for that. Well, along comes ChatGPT. You don't have to read the books anymore at what they've been doing. And this is the uh, Mason City Community School District in Iowa. And I've added that to my list of places I never want to live. What they've been doing is they've, they've been pulling up ChatGPT and they ask it, does and the book name contain a description or depiction of a sex act? And of course, because it, you know, ChatGPT has already been trained on all of this, it's consumed all of this content from the open internet over the last number of years, uh, it'll either let you know yes or no. And if the answer is yes, then they just add that book to the list. It allows the school district to cover a very wide swath. It allows them to very quickly identify books that by, you know, by the nature of the law that has now been enacted in Iowa, that uh, that should be pulled from library shelves, pulled from school shelves, uh, not used in classes. And you know, as a journalist myself and as the husband of a, a, an elementary school teacher, uh, it horrifies me that technology can be used to so uh, precisely identify content to be banned, to be censored. Um, and it really does feel incredibly Orwellian. You know, I remember reading 1984 as a kid and always kind of, you know, with the telescreens and, you know, those cameras always looking into your house. And it always it, it wasn't the camera that terrified me. It was the fact that uh, the government could look over your shoulder into your life and use advanced technology to get any answer they wanted and then use that answer against you. Um, that's not conspiracy theory stuff. That's just the way it is. And the fact that we now have all these years later technology that allows governments and you know agencies of the government like a school district to act in this way reach into our schools reach into the the shelves of the books that we collect for our kids uh, is terrifying and quite frankly it should scare all of us uh, no matter what side of the political divide we happen to be on it just seems so general in how they used it, though, Carmi. Uh, basically, these administrators for the school district asked ChatGPT the specific language of Io's new law. Does this book contain a description or depiction of a sex act? And if ChatGPT said yes, the book was removed from the library. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it wasn't based. There's no, uh, there's no subtlety here. No one's actually reading the book and saying, was it mentioned in a, in this context or that context? It's yes or no, black and white. 
Um, either it uses the word sex or it doesn't. I mean, it is as simple as that. And it's actually quite, you know, we, we tend to think, well, because they're using ChatGPT, they must be really sophisticated. No, they probably heard from their kid how to use it. And this is a very basic prompt. This is not using ChatGPT in the way that uh, its designers likely ever intended for it to be used. So there's no, that's one of the dangers of using a chatbot to get answers is that it doesn't really do things like context very well. It, it's not really great at issues of subtlety. Um, and and so it's, it's simply meeting a very black and white definition for arguably a very black and white law. Uh, and in that context, it does it well. Uh, but does this, you know, this means that a lot of false positives can be caught. For example, Maya Angelou's I Know Why the Caged Bird Sings. Really, that's a sex book. Uh, you know, uh, The Kite Runner by Khaled Hosseini, really like all of these books that, quite frankly, uh, any parent would love for their kid to be interested in. Uh, you know, this is not pornography. This is, you know, perhaps a, a, a literature with a sexual component, uh, but certainly nothing that any parent couldn't deal with as their child decides to read a longer form book. So, you know, yet again, subtlety is lost uh, on these individuals. And um, it, 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 it's sad that technology has come to this, that some of the most sophisticated technology ever invented by humans is used to take away the right to choose what literature our kids are exposed to. There was a really good uh, tweet from a gentleman. His name's Bryant Merchant, and I think this kind of summed it up. Uh, and he said, this is actually a good example of what AI systems like ChatGPT excel at, giving managers and administrators the ability to automate top-down, controversial, and harmful decision-making while shielding themselves from accountability. A sort of author authoritarianism accelerator. Sure, exactly, right? So that, you know, you're almost covering your tail. Uh, and, you know, if you are the bureaucrat who's charged with using ChatGPT to build this list, you can, you know, defend yourself by saying, well, this is what I entered into the, into the bot and this is what came back. Uh, you weren't looking for explicit content. You just said, you know, is there a sex scene in this book? Um, and so, you know, it d does this do right by society? Does it protect our kids? No. Um, does it mean that government is yet again using technology to overreach? Absolutely. Um, and and I, I think, you know, when we're looking, thank goodness this isn't happening north of the border yet. But the scary thing here is that it could. Uh, there's nothing stopping Canadian politicians from advancing similar legislation and forcing school districts in future to do exactly the same thing. And I think we owe it to ourselves to hold our elected officials accountable and make sure that we don't go down that that rabbit hole, you know, that we don't go down that route, uh, and and that we, you know, you know, perhaps we value our freedoms a little bit more than they do in certain jurisdictions in the U.S. This is uh, keep you, keep yourself up at night kind of stuff. Talking with Carmi Levy uh, about uh, school district using ChatGPT to figure out what books to ban in their school down in Iowa. Uh, I'm, I'm sure we'll read more about uh, this uh, technology being used uh, for similar purposes. Carmi, I'm going to get you to uh, hang around uh, for one more segment. Uh, I want to talk about uh, uh, getting chip implants uh, to help unlock doors and, uh, in your home and your, your car. So uh, stick around, okay? You got it. I'll be there. When we come back from the break, more tech to talk. Stay tuned. You are back with the program. Mike Agarbo here with Gray Williams. Don't forget to hit our contest page, getconnectedmedia.com, giving away an Epson inkjet printer, an EcoTank E20, ET2800. It's amazing. And an Epson smart projector. And the secret word 
this week is Android. It gets you more chances to win. Uh, Great. Let's talk about uh, getting medical advice online. (laughs) The best place to get medical medical advice. There's no question uh, I've used Dr. Google a thousand times over the the year. It's just to kind of try to self-diagnose myself. A lot of people use YouTube as well, but there is a lot of misinformation up there. Yeah, I mean, YouTube is an interesting place because anybody obviously can create content. If I can do it, anybody can do it. Uh, thankfully, I'm not putting up medical advice on YouTube. But I have, I mean, I've used the second largest search engine in the world, which is exactly what YouTube is, to help diagnose some some things that you know in and around my life before. And let me tell you, it's, it's not as bad as WebMD, right? Web, nope. WebMD, everything is cancer. Just, <laughs> you're, you're there long enough, it's all cancer. Um, but, but like YouTube has had some interesting things and the, what got me was some of the remedies that were being thrown at me where I kind of looked at it and went, that's not healthy. That's not right. That's going to hurt me. Well, it turns out now that YouTube is going to remove, um, a series of videos, uh, starting off with, uh, ones with harmful cancer claims, uh, content that pushes harmful and effective treatments ineffective treatments that uh, are going to be removed. Um, and there's there's a lot of it uh, up there. Uh, and this can be, uh, and they gave some examples um, that are deemed harmful by health authorities, including segments that claim garlic cures cancer or urge viewers to take vitamin C instead of radiation therapy. You, you'd see things like supplementing treatments with things like this. But uh, I believe garlic cures vampires, not cancer. It's, so. That's that's the thing. You can never prove the vampire thing. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But you you can prove things when it comes to treating cancer. And uh, again, uh, YouTube has been kind of a, a hotbed for a lot of these types of segments and videos. And it's not just cancer. We've seen it with COVID and many other ailments and diseases uh, as well. And the thing that I find is that the folks who are most adamant about treatments that they have perhaps not... Um, you know, studied properly. Um, typically, they don't have medical degrees. Um, I've seen a lot of that. Um, the the adamant nature by which I think folks who have no idea what they're talking about, it's uh, what was the the Dunning Kruger effect? Is that right? Uh, where they're not smart to know that they're not smart. That's I yeah. think that's YouTube health in a nutshell. It, there is a surprising amount of. Um people out there giving medical advice like you know what kind of and also like what kind of foods do what and what are harmful and and, and you know what you know will make you stronger like it is an insane amount and uh there's just not really any good filter for it i and i know this is a you know a step in the right direction with uh, youtube and taking down um you know bad cancer information but there's still millions of videos up there that are just pure crap yeah, and it's obviously a very tough line to walk because you're you're kind of walking the line of free speech, right? Where you, people won't actually be able to say the things that they want to say, and uh, a corporation is allowed to, to 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 curtail that. Like YouTube is well within their rights. It's the government that uh, that, that can't. But it's, I just don't know how we're actually going to go from sort of this targeted thing where we, we okay this this playlist great back and go. But there's more YouTube content produced in a day than any of us could watch in our lifetimes. Keeping a handle on this, it, it's kind of got AI written all over it, you know? Like, we're going to have to 
have AI figure this one out for us because it's just there's there's more content than humans and you're not gonna be able to get it all. I mean, do you do you watch YouTube videos for medical advice? Uh, I I mean, so that's the thing. Medical advice, no, right? I've I've I've, I've watched YouTube videos to know more about medical conditions. I watched uh, YouTube to know more about medical treatments. Um, and typically, like when I'm looking for content, um, I will find you know the thing that I think is what I've been looking for, and then see if I can find more videos that will. You know, reinforce that and are they of a high enough caliber that yeah okay it's somebody with, with a budget actually created this as opposed to somebody uh in their basement um who probably again does not have a medical degree so I don't, i'm not looking for advice typically uh, I, i'm looking to kind of figure out how things are working or like is this the thing that i think it is and then i would typically you know call my doctor my question is how they're going to do this. Like you're saying, uh, Gray, there's literally millions of videos being uploaded every day. You know, obviously, humans can't scan all of those. Yeah. And contextually, like, YouTube is getting better at understanding what is in a video. Um, but it, you know, when we're talking about things that may not be, um, you know, finished science, uh, at that point, you know, do you err on the side of allowing content uh, because it hasn't been disproven? But it's a, I, I don't envy them this, this job. So you know that they're going to be using uh, AI and bots to scan the transcripts of all these videos, right? But you and I both know that these creators know how to get around that. They will learn what words that the bots are scanning for, right? For example, garlic cures cancer. Like if they if they find that uh, in a, a video transcript, you know, that goes on the, the bad list. But, you know, these creators then come up with other kind of code words for these things. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. To get around it. So it's like a cat and mouse game. And I just don't know how they're going to be able to really uh, crush a lot of that disinformation. Yes, it's a step in the right direction. And my hat's off to YouTube for getting you know, on top of this, but still it's, it's a mountain ahead of them. Yeah. I don't, I don't envy them this job at all. And I imagine whoever is going to be in charge of it, it's probably gonna be self-diagnosing a whole lot of anxiety and stress. Want to talk about the contest again? Epson EcoTank ET2800 uh, inkjet printer. This is a great back-to-school printer because it comes literally with enough ink for thousands of printed pages. And it doesn't matter whether they're black and white or color. It just prints and prints those thousands of pages. When you run out, you can buy little refillable ink bottles that uh, uh, you just kind of plug in on top. And you're good to go for another few thousand pages, which is kind of cool. Also, giving away an Epson smart projector. It's uh, got Android TV built into it, so you can watch all your favorite uh, streaming shows and even uh, some games and things uh, as well. It's like a little cube, like a little Borg cube. Great. It's so cool. And, uh, you know, this would be great for a dorm room, right? Because I know a lot of kids, they want to have a TV, right? Mm -hmm. And so they, you know, log a big TV in. But you could just have one of these little cubes and just project right on the wall. It's so so handy. I I, I can't win this contest, can I? No, but... Maybe we can get you a deal or something. I, I don't know. Nice. Okay, when we get back from the break, we're going to bring back Carmi Levy. He's going to talk about getting chip implants under your skin so you can leave your keys at home. Is this something that you would do? Think about it. Back after this.
You are back with the App Show. Mike Agarbo here in the studio. Don't forget to hit our contest page, www.getconnectedmedia.com, giving away some cool prizes uh, for back to school here. An Epson uh, EcoTank ET2800 inkjet printer. These things are awesome. They come pre-filled with thousands of pages of uh, ink, so you'd never have to run out and get a new cartridge, you know, late Sunday night before homework is due Monday morning. And also, uh, we're giving away an Epson smart projector as well this thing is uh, amazing if you want extra chances to win here's the secret word it's android go to the contest page enter that and you'll uh, up your chances of winning one of those cool prizes carmy thanks uh, for joining us again thanks for having me okay i want to talk about uh never having to have keys again <laughs> this this is something that we've talked about on the show over the years you can get these little NFC chips implanted under your skin that will allow you to unlock smart doors or your your smart car or a number of other devices. And I've always thought this is kind of crazy, but I kind of see the allure of it because I try to be as keyless as possible. With my Tesla, all I have to have with me is my phone and it's the key to the car. It'll start the car and I don't have to worry about anything. And when I get home, my house just knows that I'm home and my front door automatically unlocks uh, again because of my, my phone. Carmi, some people are taking that to another level, actually embedding those uh, NFC tags or chips right under their skin. And is this getting more popular? Uh, it is. We're certainly hearing more about it. I mean, at, at, at various times, I've seen stories of companies in the U.S. as well as Sweden, of all places, where they wanted to make it easier for their employees to uh, fob, you know, fob into the building, beep themselves into the building, or uh, you know, buy things from the cafeteria, of, you know, from smart vending machines, things like that. Um, and it sounds amazing. And I say this as someone who, how many times have I left the house on my way to the office? only to realize halfway there that I've forgotten my lanyard with my fobs on it, with my smart cards on it, and I have no way to get into the building and no way to do what I need to do once I get there. So I turn around and go home. Well, imagine if your hand was the fob. Imagine if you could authenticate, instead of with a card or a fob, that you could just wave your hand in front of the sensor and gain access to the building, gain access to a part of the building, uh, or buy something uh, when you're in a store. And that was the subject of a, of a talk at the DEF CON conference, which, of course, is like the White Hat Hackers conference that uh, just happened in Las Vegas, the annual conference. Um, her name is Miana Windall, and she's a software engineer. And she wanted to kind of understand better how that technology works. And she wanted to basically turn herself into an example of it. She has now uh, managed, she's had surgery 25 times. She has 25 implants under her skin in various parts of her body. Some of them are magnetic. Some of them use NFC. Some of them use uh, RFID, radio frequency identification. But they all they all have different use cases, and they all allow her to, you know, do things uh, that you and I would probably need a card or a key fob to use. Sounds super convenient, but all I can think of is. 25 things under my skin that's kind of creepy but she gave a talk uh, called how flipping the bird opens doors for me that explains sort of how she went from not really knowing a whole lot about electronics to being a real authority when it comes to implantables like this 25 is a lot of chips to implant in your skin carmy like (laughs) i'd say i'd say one maybe two sure like I, i could wrap my head around that but this that's crazy 
Like it, yeah. it, it is, and I think that's the they call it biohacking, which is basically hacking your body to do you know something nerdy and geeky. Um, and it sounds like fun. And Amazon's been getting a lot of publicity in recent uh, weeks. They've got uh, a pilot where if you want to pay using your palm print, um, you you give them your palm print, and then you you sort of you you press it against the reader, and you can walk out of a store without having to pull out your card. Um, no implant there, but it's certainly only a matter of time before they go that they go that way but so you know different companies are trying different things to see how far we are willing to go i would like to think that rather than having 25 different implants um, we would have a, a few common ones in other words maybe there's a standard for this technology so that it, one implant could be used for more than one scenario uh, in, in in a matter like our smartphones can connect to more than one service i don't have to buy a different smartphone every time i want to run a different app or connect to a different network so I, I, I'm glad people like Miano Windall exist. I'm glad that they're willing to take the, you know, the implantable bullet for the rest of us and try things that make us feel a little bit squeamish and nauseous. Uh, but at the same time, I'd like to think that eventually if biohacking becomes a thing, we won't have to implant ourselves 25 times to do 25 different things. We can implant ourselves once and then that common technology can be used for all sorts of different applications. So these these chip implants, you know, down in the U.S., they don't require FDA approval because they're not medical devices, right? Mm-hmm. That's exactly it. And, that, and, you know, it, it, I think it's a bit of a loophole in the regulation. Uh, they're not considered medical devices, but I, I think we can safely argue that um, sticking one under our skin at, in various parts of our body is a medically invasive procedure. And so while you don't engage in it because you want to be healthier, um, it does have the potential for some kind of health implication. You could get infected uh, through the implantable process. Uh, it could develop scar tissue over time. There are all, are all sorts of medical reasons why you would not want it. And certainly if I were thinking of doing something like this, the first conversation I would have, aside from my wife and you know close members of my family, would be my doctor. I don't want to understand the medical implications of it. So, no, this doesn't require FDA approval. Um, and, and same deal north of the border. Canadian health um, regulations it is out of scope of that. Uh, but it doesn't mean that you and I, if we're considering it, shouldn't be considering the medical implications as well, because this could have uh, you know, a negative if we're not careful. Are we at a point, though, that other technology might just bypass this whole need to implant chips you know what I mean? Like you talked about the palm scanning with Amazon stores. Uh, we know that there's, you know, retina scans and we can use our, our fingerprints. Like, mm-hmm. do, am I going to have to actually have a chip implanted? I think, we, I think we may not have to because I think biometrics uh, really do fill in one, that, that, that authentication gap uh, in the same way without having to undergo, you know, minor surgery. Um, so certainly it's, it's 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 a different solution to a similar problem, uh, and biometrics does give us uh, a more secure way to access uh, resources and systems and platforms than would have otherwise been the case. The problem with biometrics is that once I provide my palm print or my facial print or my my retina, that information is now on file somewhere, and if it is compromised, I can't go change my palm, my 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 eye, my face, my anything. I can't change my voice. 
Um, so, you know, the security risks of biometrics, we tend to see them as a, 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 a relatively magic bullet solution to the password, another layer of technology on top of the password. But in reality, they open up a whole other category of risk to us um, that perhaps an implantable might not. Um, but at the same time, I think realistically, if given the choice, most people would rather take the non-surgical option than the surgical one. I, I I like the convenience. Don't get me wrong. Like I I could get I could get behind maybe getting a chip implanted. I I do like the whole biometric thing, but I'm wondering, are we? Is it too late now? Like are we just down that slope where we're just the government knows everything about us? Do you know what I mean? Like like we can't do anything off the grid. Like it's going to come to a point where there's not even going to be physical cash anymore. I'm sure. Oh yeah, and that and that every interaction that we have is digital in some nature, and if it because it's digital, it is then trackable, and that data will exist on us somewhere, uh, up to and including the government. So yeah, I think uh, we we don't have much choice in 2023. We kind of have to live a digital life, um, and if we choose not to, it's a lot harder to stay off the grid now than it was even just a couple of years ago. Uh, you know, it, it, imagine having gone through the pandemic trying to use cash. Um, and I think the pandemic really proved to us that, you know, cash is on its way out, whether we like it or not. Um, and at some point, you know, kids will be raised without ever having touched, uh, you know, a, a, a loony or a toonie. Uh, and they'll just look at it and shrug their shoulders. It's not necessarily a bad thing, but ultimately what it does is it, 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 it ensures that we are leaving digital trails wherever we go. And that has privacy implications that may or may not uh, be problematic to us. You know, news broke this week of yet another breach at the LCBO uh, in Ontario, um, you know, all because we interacted with them on a digital platform. If all I did when I shopped at, at, at my local liquor store was pay cash, it wouldn't be a problem. But because I have in the past paid with electronic methods and I've interacted with them by signing up for things online, my data is now somewhere where it can be breached and it has been breached. Um, that's a, very much a problem of our time. And I think we need to start really thinking about whenever we share that information and whether, whenever we interact with an organization, organization in any way, we have to ask ourselves, what happens to us if it's breached? I'm going to ask you, would you get a chip implanted under your skin? Right now, right now I wouldn't, probably because my wife wouldn't be very happy about it. But also, <laughs> I'm, I'm also the guy who won't get a tattoo because I'm afraid of needles. I will donate blood because you have to do right by your fellow human being. But uh, the, 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 the prospect of someone poking me with needles so that I can have a pretty picture of a duck on my arm, not going to happen in this lifetime, probably not my next one either. We've been talking about Carmi Levy, about getting chips implanted in your skin so you don't have to carry keys anymore. They're just kind of a wireless way to open your car door or your home or authenticate you. I don't know if it's going to be the future because other technologies might uh, surpass it, but definitely a, a lot of people are, uh, are doing this uh, around the world right now. Carmi, thanks again for joining us on the program. Great being with you, Mike. Thanks for having me. Want to give a shout out uh, one more time to our contest, giving away an Epson EcoTank inkjet printer and a smart projector. These are amazing prizes, well worth over $1,000 in total. If you want extra chances to win, here is the secret word. It's Android. 
go to the website, getconnectedmedia.com, hit the contest page, and uh, enter that secret word, and you'll get extra chances to win. Don't forget to listen to our sister show. It's called Get Connected. It's on every Saturday across the Chorus Radio Network, and uh, it's a great program this uh, week. We're going to be talking about the future of camera surveillance when it comes to traffic violations. We know about speed cams and uh, traffic light cams, but uh, they're looking at using cameras now for seeing if you're on your phone or if you've got your seatbelt on. They're testing this out in the UK. Will it come to Canada? We'll also be talking about the Internet Archive. Sony and the music publishers are going after it because they want to preserve some of the old 78 uh, vinyl records. How do you feel about that? And finally, cattle and technology together at last. I want to thank all the folks that helped put the program together. We'll see you again next time.